This Tome Show production is supported by Noble Knight, where out of print is available again. And listeners like you, keep using the affiliate links for Amazon and dndclassics.com and support the show while you shop. Welcome to the News Desk. Once a month, we get together to chat about the latest news in D&D. Whoa, 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 buddy. This what, what, is the roundtable. This is the roundtable. I'm James Intercasso, your host, and with me tonight <coughs> is... Your anchors uh, are Sam and Jeff, as usual, and our man on the street for this News Desk is Rudy Basso. Rudy, how are things down there around the... Wait, what, what is it you're sitting around? Is that is that the roundtable? What's going on here? We're taking over, man. The round table is in your base, killing your dudes, news desk. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. All right, no. All right. So, so time for the explanation um, <laughs> of this crazy, wacky thing going on here. Back when we started the news desk, it was sort of a, we keep doing news segments at the beginning of each Tome Show episode, and it was killing a lot of time for, you know, the reviews and things that we were doing, just sort of covering whatever was happening that week. So we decided to spin all the news off and do just the news desk and not have to deal with that because there was a lot of news um, coming out because with the new edition coming out. And we always sort of said, maybe we'll continue it on and maybe it'll be temporary. Uh, now the new edition is out, so we needed to make a decision. And uh, with myself starting a PhD program uh, and other things going on, decided, Hello? you know what? Uh, the roundtable is doing this job better than we are and more frequently, so we will totally just uh, pass the torch to them. And this is sort of our mashup transition episode. That, does that cover it? Yeah, yeah. Thank that you. Thank you very Plus, much. Plus, you know, you know, Tiamat ate Randall Walker, so he did. Uh, she we, did. <laughs> we we couldn't get anybody to volunteer to be the new man on the street, so we kind of had to. You know, I mean, oh, well, was I not supposed to say that? Did you see the places that we sent him? Like, I wouldn't want to do the job either. <laughs> well, uh, I just want to take a, a quick moment and thank you guys for taking a chance on us at the roundtable and uh, letting us do the news. So it's been a great adventure, and it's it's frankly an honor to. Bring the news through a great podcast like the Tome Show, and to uh, bring it to all the people out there who love D and D news. So thank you for listening. Well, it's, it's been great to have you. I mean, uh, I try, I've been trying to sort of expand the show into new things and bring new people in like that uh, for a while. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it you know you get a few episodes and it fizzles out. And uh, it's great to see the ones that, that come together and really hit it out of the park like you guys have. So good job. Thanks, I think Jeff. the the most com- yeah, most yeah, common yeah. comment I heard at Gen Con was, "Hey, thanks for bringing the roundtable on. That show was great." <laughs> so there you go. Well, and the most common comment I heard was, "You're no Jeff Griner." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was just you saying it. So. <laughs> you don't have to be Jeff Griner to get great savings on a service like Noble Knight, where out of print is available again. Our pick for this episode is the D&D board game Wrath of a Shardalon. It's $27 off the normal price over at Noble Knight right now. And that's all the more exciting given that some of the news that will be discussed tonight has possibly to do with board games. But more on that later. Noble Knight is a long-standing game store specializing in finding out-of-print games while also offering the newest great releases. Including D&D? They got it from any edition. That's right, all of them. What if I want a board game? Card game, minis, or dice? Noble Knight has it all, and at a discounted price. 
In fact, Noble Knight has over 30,000 unique items on stock. And you know you can trust this Better Business Bureau accredited store with a satisfaction guarantee. Yeah, but I've bought too many things over the years. How can I justify spending even more? Good thing we're talking about Noble Knight, then. They'll buy your old gaming things and offer you cash or trade, so you'll be able to keep up with all the great gaming stuff you want. Check them out at noblenight.com. Well, I'll go today. And be sure to tell them the Tome Show sent you. And we're back. Before we go too far, as you guys know, the roundtable has a get-to-know-you question. And this question was submitted by Jeff Greiner, the one and only. So, what is the best lycanthrope? And Jeff Greiner, since it's your question, let's start with you. Uh, The best lycanthrope, by far, is the were-tiger. And I... And I base... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I based that off of a, a third edition uh, campaign that I ran where one of my players played a character who was infected or cursed with uh, were tigressy. Um, <laughs> that, that's a word. Um, and, and it was, he, and well, one, he became a total kick butt character, right? Um, but two, it came in really useful that he was so into eating things now that he was a tiger. Cause it was like, Hey, we're totally fighting a bunch of trolls and none of us have fire or acid. That's okay. I'll eat them. Stomach acid works, right? So that's my, my favorite, uh, were creature story. That is an awesome story. <laughs> and it, and, <laughs> and it's a, it's a troll, right? So it, it keeps you full for a long time because it keeps regenerating in your stomach. nice nice that's really well done i that's creative gameplay right there you always got to reward that right so sam dylan what is the best lycanthrope well i i would like to send you all through the wayback machine and i want you to go to your shelf and pull down your first edition ad&d dungeon master's guide and flip right to page 22 Page 22 of the original Dungeon Master's Guide tells you all about what happens when your PCs get bit by a lycanthrope and what the chances are of them becoming were-creatures and what kind of were-creature they will become and what the chances are for them to turn when there is a full moon, a half moon, a quarter moon, a new moon, etc., etc. So uh, I think the best were-creature is a PC who becomes a were-creature. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. I definitely did not see that coming. You were right. Sam said before yes. the podcast. It would be the best. So let me just read you one sentence from this because uh, if your characters are getting a little uh, too rich or have too many items, here's something that happens. While the PC is in wear form, the character is not interested in any of his or her belongings at all and will simply leave them (laughs) wherever they were when the change took place. That includes armor, weapons, and everything else that they could possibly care about. So uh, if you would like to divest your players of some particular item or artifact, there you go. You totally left it in the woods when you went out hunting at the last full moon. Yeah, (laughs) totally. When you you turned into a badass werebear or wereboar and you had a great time, oh, but where's all your stuff? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So now, Rudy Basso, what is the best 
lycanthrope or lycanthrope. Uh, I also was going to say the were tiger. Ah, <laughs> I'm no copycat. So I've been frantically Googling in the past few minutes. <laughs> and uh, the were-boar, which is were-pig, essentially. I like that. I like the idea of that. Apparently on an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, there was a were-squirrel, which is uh, <laughs> appealing, I would think. Do, uh, do you want to steal my backup answer? Because I had two. <laughs> oh, you have a backup answer? No, that's all right. Uh, okay. Bear is another good one. It was also a line of teddy bears in the... In- the early 80s. Uh, that was my backup because I have my inspiration from Golden Axe, the old Sega game. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> why choose one is what I, I'm going to go. <laughs> hey, you oh, know, there what, was a really nice uh, complete guide to wear rats printed for the 3.5 edition of D&D that has a nice little thing. Wear rats are pretty devious little bastards. Well, I, I mean, uh, beep. <laughs> 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 Yeah, so best is strong. <laughs> well, so I, I'm going to go with there is no best. They're all pretty well. <laughs> mm. You have love for all of Team Jacob's creatures. I totally understand. <laughs> all the wares. I have to. S- all the wares. <laughs> I have to say, though, you didn't mention my favorite, Rudy, which is, of course, the wear shark. Because, come on, guys, wear shark. That's just, I don't even, I don't even know, how does that happen? How do they, they can breathe, but then they're also sharks. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's the ultimate. It's the best thing that there is. Where sharks? You're going to, you're going to need a bigger boat. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I think it's time to get back to this news desk. And in the news desk format, we cover our big topics on the clock. Ten minutes at a time. I've got my timer ready to go. And James, you're up first. Go. All right. So what I want to talk about is an article uh, that was put out on the Dungeons & Dragons main site uh, about the Neverwinter MMO. It came out on the 24th of September. And it's called Neverwinter, colon, Rise of Tiamat. And essentially, it goes on to say that the next module after Tyranny of Dragons they're going to be putting in the MMO is this uh, Rise of Tiamat module. Um, And it sounds like things go from bad with Tyranny of Dragons to a lot worse for everybody who is not the cult of the dragon. Um, And there is a a very interesting, uh, fun teaser trailer that you can actually watch uh, that features, it looks like, some great gameplay and some other cool stuff. But but, uh, my big thing here is that I think watching this teaser trailer perhaps gives things away, right? We know that the MMO is linked to the tabletop game, that Mm -hmm. the storylines are linked. And it definitely suggests, if you watch through to the end, spoiler alert here, that Tiamat is going to rise and is is going to be definitely coming out. Um, what in a, James, so, in a storyline called Rise of Tiamat? You I, think Tiamat's going to rise? <laughs> How is that a spoiler when it's the name of the product? <laughs> and it's well, not just it's not just the name of this module. That's the name of the second adventure, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> it is. But I wonder. So here's the way I always interpreted it, and maybe I'm in the minority. Was that? They're trying to bring Tiamat forth, but perhaps, like, maybe she only shows up for a few seconds and then the adventurers beat her down and and that's it. You know, but this seems to suggest, like, she's gonna escape. 
and she's getting out there, and all of this mask gathering and stuff that you're doing doesn't mean diddly squat, because Tiamat's getting out there. Um, which, to me, is surprising, because at first, I didn't even know she was in the Nine Hells in Forgotten Realms, uh, which I, well, I don't th- think... That's actually a bit of an issue, because um, there is no storyline wherein she is trapped in the Nine Hells. <laughs> they right. sort of invented that for this storyline. It's like, oh, wait, they're trying to get her out of the Nine Hells, but when did that happen? Gotcha. So we're gotcha. still waiting to hear that story. <laughs> so it maybe it makes sense, right, that they're freeing her because they want her to be available in the realms for people to use in their home games and stuff like that. Um, but I do feel like, you know, maybe uh, you can go on there. You can get a little little hint about what else you might see in the Rise of Tiamat adventure that that's going to be coming out. Um, and, you know, they go on to say that there's going to be a new Paragon path for the Scourge Warlock class. They're going to have new items, bigger battles, much more. Looks like there's going to be a ton of dragons that you can fight, which is never a bad thing, especially in a Neverwinter MMO. And uh, looks like you are going to get the chance to fight Tiamat. So I am pretty excited about that. You, but you I think, am. You think Tiamat will be in the MMO? I do, I do, I think... He's a raid boss, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, it looks like, you know, the the trailer, they have her shadow show up at the very end, um, covering some adventurers. Mm. Um, so I that's what I think. I think, like, if she's free in the MMO universe, she's definitely going to be free in the tabletop universe, probably. Yeah, see, I, I would it. presume that it, when she's freed, the tabletop game will be the place where she's defeated. Right, yeah, I, and... You know. for, you know, but it looks like maybe yeah, I don't know. It seems it seems like maybe maybe you'll have the chance to fight her in both, right? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know that the MMO is canon or anything. I think that Tiamat would make a great raid boss because she's got five heads, and there's a lot of mechanical <laughs> stuff that you can do with five different like heads that can do different things. And they could do it do it in such a way that I mean, you fight her and drive her off, not exactly. you fight her and kill her. So yeah, totally, totally, and that's so. It's exciting. It's exciting that. Tiamat was gone and we didn't know and now she's back. <laughs> so um and you know it's it's great to see like I it felt like Orcus was big right when fourth edition launched, it was the code name and then yeah. you know, he was on the cover of the monster manual and everything and, and the first adventure path led you all the way to Orcus. So it's it's cool. I, I like Tiamat. I think, you know, going with the Queen of Evil Dragons obviously is is a very cool thing. So I am really excited to see her brought to life in a video game. And I think that she's kind of uniquely a a D thing in this incarnation. And so it'll be cool to see people fight a five-headed dragon, and maybe that will mean the people who play Neverwinter who don't play the tabletop RPG will want to check out the yeah. RPG. Now So I'm I'm sorry to no, bring go ahead. back to this point of her being trapped or, or imprisoned in the night hell. So the thing is that when she was first introduced when Tiamat was first introduced as an as a as a deific character, however you want to say that, she actually was ruler of one of the planes of existence in the Nine Hells, right? Like Avernus well, or so something, she, right? She's one and of those then, weird ones who was both, right? She was a, right. a ruler of a plane and, and then also a, a right. god, depending on the timeline and what setting you're right. playing. So but she was mm. she ruled the first layer of the nine hells, but then like time went on and on and on and on and you know, forty years went by and now all of a sudden we have this issue where supposedly at some point uh Bahamut, you know banished her back to the nine hells or something, but I don't know 
where that canon comes from. So I'm like I'm just not I'm not knowledgeable. Yeah, about. well, and in in realms lore, she I don't think that that's ever been a thing um, that she was banished to the nine hells. Obviously, until yeah. Tyranny of Dragons. Well, it's it's on the Wikipedia page. So yeah, because <laughs> she was she's been a worshipable yeah. worshipable deity um, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time. for a long time in the realms. Yeah, um, and I, and there's never been a story where and they've explained that. Although I believe um, the upcoming Fire in the Blood novel by Aaron M. Evans. Um, deals with Tiamat a, a bit there, and so maybe we'll get some of that backstory. Maybe uh, she'll get to to bat some clean up on that on that you know retroactively sort of fill us in on some of what happened there, yeah. which she's gotten I mean, to do before, I, right? I know, she I wrote know the novel some, that introduced us to Neverwinter. Yeah, I mean, I, I know some you know some of the sort of much much earlier like first edition canon about Tiamat basically from dragon magazines and whatnot, mm-hmm. but I don't know any of the more current stuff, and and I. You know, I'm curious as to what that story is. So maybe I'll have to check out Aaron and Aaron M. Evans's book. Well, it's going to be our next book club book. There you go. You could join us for the book club. <laughs> the uh, the other thing I would say about this um, this trailer is that just the dragons really look cool, that, and yeah. they look they look like D and D dragons. Like the red dragon looks like a D and D red dragon, and it looks you know. So I I really I just can't. Uh, I, I'm ex- this makes me want to play the the MMO, but it also really makes me want to play the Rise of Tiamat adventure that mm-hmm. is coming out. Um, but uh, but I do feel like it is still a little spoilery, even though it's called Rise of Tiamat. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> now, does anybody else really want to have this this cinematic sort of scary moment in the MMO, wherein you know the shadow of Tiamat flies over overhead and it's all dark and dreary or whatever, and then she she lands in a, in a cloud of, of uh, thunder and whatever, and then poking out of the 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 haze, you see the uh, the D and D cartoon cart you know version animated, <laughs> animated version sort of pop out. Ooh, I'm gonna get you! you know? <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. You see Vinger running around. Yeah. <laughs> you can totally kill him and take his armor. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it would definitely. That would feel like a jip. I think. <laughs> what? <laughs> Clearly, I'm not as invested in MMOs as you are. <laughs> I'm all about the the go for the punchline. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other my other thought, right, was that maybe this is a little bit of a misdirect. Maybe this is just an aspect of Tiamat that we mm-hmm. see, not the actual Tiamat herself. So, it's actually uh, uh, just five dragons flying, but they're like above and, and below each other. So the sh- you know, so the shadow looks like it's. A five-headed dragon, but it's right, like, right. It's really It'll just five separate. Switch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you know, five dragons that close is just so much less. Of the <laughs> yeah. thing they grew up together. Not. They know each other very well. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. All right. Well, you had forty-seven seconds left. That's that's a, a first on the news desk to finish <laughs> to finish a topic early. Wow. <laughs> Well, what can I say on the round table? We're, we're very efficient. efficient. You are efficient. <laughs> now that you've used that 40 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, you're next. Go. All right. So what I'm going to talk about is the fact that there is a new uh, comic slash graphic novel. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, mon- it's a monthly floppy. It's a monthly floppy. <laughs> monthly floppy. That sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> that's, it is, that's comic it, parlance for you. It is a new comic called The Legends of Baldur's Gate. 
And uh, it has a tagline of Tyranny of Dragons. So basically in it we are going to get to see uh, how Minsk and Boo uh, deal with the things that are going on during this sort of time in the realms when when uh, the Tyranny of Dragons storyline is occurring. Uh, and the reason I'm bringing this up is, is first, it's interesting and all that, and people who are, are comic book fans will probably get a, a great deal of enjoyment out of it. But also, uh, there is a link to a free preview that is a pretty extensive, good, you know, good nice, like, 10-page or 7-page or something preview. It's a pretty nice preview uh, posted up on the Wizards website, so or on the D&D website. So uh, if you're interested at all, go check that out because it looks like it's going to be pretty darn good. And I'm not a huge comics fan, but uh, but I was I was uh, quite taken with the, the the preview. And I'm and of course I played uh, Baldur's Gate, the video game, way back when it first came out, and so I'm I am intimately familiar with Minsk and Boo. Oh wait, that sounds like the wrong way to say that. Anyway, <laughs> I know a lot about Minsk and Boo, so I know you know I know sort of the things that are surrounding that. So I'm interested in the story. So if mm-hmm. you're interested in the story and you want to see what's happening, sort of the tyranny of dragons from a different perspective than you know, than what you're doing in the game or maybe in some of the more recent books and all that, then this would be a good uh, good thing to check out. Yeah. It, it'll uh, be interesting because um, from what I heard from the author at Gen Con, uh, Jim Zub, um, yeah. is that Minsk is sort of our introduction to a larger party and that it's really sort of the story of this party or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but, but at the same time, the only thing you ever hear about is Minsk, right? That's that's sort of the hook to try to bring people in. Minsk right. is back, woohoo! Sure. You know, um, I'll, I'll be curious to see how much once he gets into it, how much of the story is you know Minsk is the main character, and how much Minsk is sort of our on ramp to then going on and, and talking mostly about these other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, great to know. reintroduce Minsk too because the Baldur's Gate Enhanced Editions came out over the past mm-hmm. uh, year or two. Mm-hmm. So hopefully there should be a whole new audience that are familiar with him and want to learn more about him. Mm-hmm. Well, and the and the the D and D next uh, Murder in Baldur's Gate uh, module had a mm-hmm. an, an homage to Minsk and and Boo. So yeah, there's there's kind of a lot of things going on. He was very popular. Yeah, very popular indeed. As he well, should be. Yeah. And there was a uh, uh, at Gen Con somebody said that. If you want to learn a little bit more about what the storyline after Tyranny of Dragons will be that Wizards mm-hmm. is going to put out, that they're going to be laying the first seeds you'll be able to see will be within this comic book. That's and true. That oh. that's a good place Interesting. to look. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, that, I, I'd forgotten about that, but uh, th- that's true. Uh, I also like that they brought in Jim Zub to do it. Um, Jim mm-hmm. Zub is not only a, a good comic book writer – uh, but he's good at writing comic book fantasy. You know, uh, he does Skull Kickers. Um, he had a run on the Pathfinder comic, um, which was decent. Um, I mean, the Pathfinder comic was decent. His writing uh, was good, uh, and it all and it generally is. He, and he sort of knows how to walk the line between taking it too seriously and having fun with it, which is part of what made the the original uh, 4e D and D comic sort of really awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm always sad that it hasn't managed to come back. They always sort of left the door open that that could come back at any time as soon as the, the author had the, the time to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad to see uh, a comic book writer being on board with this and, and excited about it and all of that. Um, you know, they've, they've had some other comic series for a while that uh, you know, uh, Ed Greenwood's Forgotten Realms comic that was out um, a year or two ago. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was fun and I love Ed and, he's, and all that, but he's also not a comic 
writer, right? So he had to learn the medium while also writing the comic. And I think that may have been why it, it didn't last very long. Um, Salvatore has always been able to pull, pull together some decent comics, and he's got you know people that he work, works with there uh, that help him along in the process. But I don't think Jim Zub will need the help. You know, he yeah. knows he knows how to write a comic, and he knows how to write a fantasy comic, and he knows how to do it well. So yeah. there, awesome. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I also really really enjoyed the four E comic. I love the party there, so I'm happy to see uh, them returning to comic books. Mm-hmm. I think cool. there's always great stories to be told. Mm-hmm. So, yay. I have I have two other tiny bits of news, or I guess three other tiny bits of news. The first one is that uh, uh, as of uh, a couple days ago, or Wednesday the 24th of September, this is being recorded on the 25th, so I guess uh, yesterday, uh, the, uh, the Dungeonscape uh, program, they've been sending out the, the first beta um, invitations to – this used to be codenamed Morningstar, so mm-hmm. – it's uh, it's now called Dungeonscape, and they're sending out beta invitations for uh, browser-based or PC-based, uh, uh, the web version, basically, web version, yeah. of, of it. Yeah, so that that's really interesting. It's going to be great. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Sam, you got any, right. more, any more things? you still got two minutes and 38 uh, seconds. I, I just wanted to mention that uh, Robert J. Schwab, if you're a fan of his design work, he's actually started a new company, Schwab Entertainment, and mm-hmm. apparently he's got some big projects coming. And I, I have a, Has he talked about what those projects are yet? No, but I have an inkling that some of them will have to do with uh, some, some D&D 5th edition. Um, yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Cool. I, yep. think, I think he's, um, because of the contractual things that he's done <laughs> with Watsy in the past, he's got a, a time limit before he can start really pushing some things. So. Yep. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Cuz he was uh, exclusive I, with them for a while. Yeah, I like his design work, so I'm 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 excited about it. I mean, company. if you like 5e, he you know, he was basically oh, yeah. brought he in on a, an exclusive contract to, to help yep. write it. Yep, exactly. So. So that's it. That's it for me. All right. I will cancel your t- – we haven't gotten to hear the timer go off yet. Jeez. No. <laughs> is, it, is it like a, 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 a were shark growling or something? Uh, what is the- maybe it is. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Just silent. <laughs> just kill you. Well, we, 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 we will see if Rudy Basso can take up all 10 minutes of his time. <laughs> go. <laughs> um, my, my news isn't really news per se, but I think it's an important article. It's Kotaku's review of the new edition of Dungeons and Dragons. And if anyone's not familiar with Kotaku, it's a video game blog that is easily one of the most popular video game websites out there. Um, they get hundreds of thousands of, view- of views, perhaps, uh, I don't know about millions, but hundreds of thousands daily. So uh, something like this is getting a lot of eyes on it. And it's great because this review is really, really positive. Um, the gentleman reviewing it, his name is Quentin Smith. The title of it is, it's the perfect time to play Dungeons and Dragons. And that alone should be a great draw to people who are interested in the in the hobby but have never tried it out before. And it's a pretty good article. It breaks down, it introduces what the starter set is and how starter set's a low purchase but a lot of entertainment. As he describes it, it'll fill a month worth of pizza-powered Sundays. <laughs> which I agree with. I think there's a lot of great stuff there. And then he gets more into the PHB itself. And he really harps on the um, the role-playing aspect of it and how backgrounds kind of dictate what your character is and how it's it's not necessarily about, you know, making something up on your own. 
they're holding yeah they're holding your hand they're helping you do it if you're new to the to this kind of game so i i'm just really happy with this it has 75,000 views it has 49 favorites and over 400 comments so it seems like more and more people are getting excited about D&D and that's always a great thing i'm always happy to tell people about it i've had a friend message me and be like Hey, I know you play this. There's this thing on Kotaku about it. Have you seen it? And I was like, Yes, exactly. Mm. People <laughs> know about this. So uh That's yeah, awesome. really exciting. And hooray, D and D. Yeah, and I've I've yeah. seen people sharing this article who have never played, who I've known for years on Facebook saying, like, will someone teach me how to play this? Um, you know, I, I do think this is huge news that a site this big is giving a really, really well, favorable. And, and more so, it's not just a, a site this big. I mean, they've had some big sites um, talking, you know, Forbes always seems to get, get the, the early scoops on a lot of stuff as, as well. You know, the, you can't get much bigger than, than Forbes, right? They're huge. But... I think there's a lot more potential mm-hmm. for a Kotaku exactly. audience to, to cross over, but it's also a huge audience of people who aren't already interested in that. You know, I think the only people who are going to, to read that Forbes those Forbes articles are people that are seeking out D and D stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you're going to convert a lot of Wall Street uh, investment bakers over to, to some D and D players. Uh, maybe you will. I don't know. And, and uh, you know, more power to him, right? Um, yeah. But. But there, there's, I think there's a lot of overlap on a Kotaku audience that, hey, you know how you, sometimes you're playing those video games and you want to go down that, down that hallway, but it's not part of the code, so you can't? This is a game you can play where all of that's possible, you know? Yep. And, you know, there was a, there was a really interesting article um, published on uh, uh, the Pelgrain Press website, the 13th Age blog, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, by Simon Rogers, who is the publisher at, at Pelgrim Press, and one of the things that one of the points he made, he 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 said, you know, everybody keeps asking him if he's afraid of the competition that that Fifth Edition is giving to Thirteenth Age, uh, and his response was was very good. And basically, what he said was, look, Thirteenth um, Age is published by a small time publisher, and and you know they they can't even begin to approach the volume of of what a company like Wizards of the Coast can do. And what that means is that if the tide of player, if, if the tide of D and D goes out and it washes in a bunch of players, there's a much bigger pool of players for. I'm using lots of water uh, metaphor here, so that the wear shark can come <laughs> in. But uh, if 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 the if the tide sweeps in a, a much larger group of potential players, then that just means that Thirteenth Age has a much larger group of potential players. It doesn't really mean that there's this extra competition, mm-hmm. this ethereal sort of weird extra competition that's going to destroy Thirteenth Age or any other small in, indie style game or indie published game. Because there's always going to be people who will explore and do different games, but you they have to be exposed first and basically culturally speaking D&D is the thing that everybody knows as the RPG nobody knows any other thing like it, it's not a household name path you know pathfinder maybe you know but but that's not a household i mean yeah. you know it's just not it's you know yeah. it's just not a household you know i mean i'm i'm a big rpg or have been for you know Decades, so I know all of these, you know, other big systems and games, but yeah. people my, my, don't. My mom knows. The, my mom knows D and D. She's never heard of yeah. Pathfinder or GURPS. Yeah, you know? right. 
right? Or it's hero system have- or champions or anything else. Yeah. So, but the article is very good. I'll get a link to it so we can put it in the show. Notes. It's funny that you bring that up because at a, at a, at Gen Con, at a, at the 13 change, uh, panel, James Intercasso asked that exact <laughs> same question. Really? There you go. See? Same answer from the publisher, although he seemed a little upset at James for asking <laughs> such a question. <laughs> Well, but it's a, it's the classic answer, right? I mean, most <laughs> most of the time, um, most publishers, I think, take the attitude of a rising tide, you know, rises all ships, right? Mm-hmm. So right. if we can bring more people into the hobby with some great games, then that's good for all of us. Um, mm-hmm. Now, that's not always the case from all publishers. Not everybody takes that attitude, but everybody should take that attitude because that's the most that's the healthiest way. You know, we're all a community together. We're all right. trying to make and, and you know, we're not a big enough. Uh, industry yeah. to to really justify cutthroat competition. So let's just all make great games and have fun. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I will say, and, and I love Pathfinder. I've played it before. I'm a big fan. But I will say I just did a search for Pathfinder on Kotaku's site, and there were no articles about Pathfinder. So <laughs> just, just throwing it out there as far as brand recognition goes, that Dungeons & Dragons is certainly... A much more recognized brand. Yeah, although maybe not as good as selling. I mean, I think there have been some evidence in the last few years that that Pathfinder was outselling D anD D, and I think that's legitimate. Um, but that mm-hmm. doesn't that sure. doesn't that doesn't speak to brand recognition outside of the hobby. And I think I think that's where um, where Wizards and where Hasbro sees the value of D anD D as well. That's why they keep it along, even though it hasn't been, it's not as profitable as some of their other uh, brands or some of their other things, right? But the brand has value. And I think that's also why they've been licensing out a lot of the work because they're like, well, the work that you're doing producing products isn't bringing enough enough profit, but the brand has value. So we need to keep producing products. Here's a way we can do it in a cost-effective way. Right. Which, right. if we're done yeah, talking about Kotaku, transitions us into my topic. So, mm-hmm. Oh, let's do it. All right. So my then topic, we don't get to we don't get to hear the timer expire. See, well, this is- then I will talk long <laughs> enough. <laughs> to, no, I won't. My topic. I'm waiting for that episode of Community where they play Pathfinder. That'll be exciting. Uh, yeah. Or <laughs> uh, hey, hey, we're, we do not engage in addition, condition wars here. <laughs> no, no, no. People can play again with recognition. Community has an episode where they play Dungeons and Dragons. Everyone's like, oh. If they had an episode where they played Pathfinder, I don't think anybody would really understand what that is. Oh, well, I mean, in, in the yeah. larger community, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, All right, so speaking of licensing, uh, my topic of the night is all about the latest license. Um, D&D, the D&D board game series, the Adventure System series, uh, based on the fourth edition rules with Wrath of a Shardalon, Castle Ravenloft, and then lastly, The Legend of Drizzt, um, has not produced anything for a long time, and now it's going to again. Yay! Yay! <laughs> uh, but, much like they've done on so many other things, uh, Wizards of the Coast is licensing this this uh, this brand, this idea out um, to WizKids, which makes a lot of sense, because WizKids <laughs> makes board games and um, has other licenses that they're working with Wizards on. Uh, what's interesting about this is is that Wizards is at least, at least from the ICV2 article that I'm looking at, um, Wizards ha- is still doing all of the design work. So they're designing the system and, and the games and the modules and all that, and then handing them off to WizKids to say, okay, 
here's the game. Now, you guys make the stuff, right? So WizKids isn't designing the game. They're just making the, the physical product of a, of a Watsy-created game, um, which is fine, I think. Uh, and I feel like the, um, the, the board games... Like I'm not, I don't know how to say this without being denigrating. I feel like it's a, it's an easier um, thing to design the modules for the board games. Not to say that they're not putting a lot of effort into it and changing some things and and constantly evolving and all that. I think they are, um, but compared to the time and effort and editing and that kind of stuff that goes into some of some other products, um, I think this is something that they can they can easily sort of do and then pass off the the part that you know maybe WizKids is better at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, WizKids makes some really cool miniatures, so it makes sense that they would be in the uh, the publishing and producing part. Well, and uh, so, so often the 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 game pieces for these board games were just sculpts of the D and D minis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since Wizards, is, or since WizKids is doing the D and D minis now, it makes it sense makes that they would. Sense. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. They've already got the molds. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes sense that Wizards would want to hang on to the development of the game. Uh, you know, maybe they're looking at this as a a bit of a gateway or something you can play when you don't have as much time, right, to to sit down and, and make characters and play a whole game of D&D. And they also, I mean, they have some award-winning board game designers over on the staff at Wizards, mm-hmm. so it makes sense that they would want to hang on to that. Mm-hmm. Now, the article mentions the adventure-type board game specifically, but I wonder if something like Lords of Waterdeep will also be outsourced to uh, WizKids. It might be. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, well, and it's also interesting because – so this article specifically calls out the Adventure System board games, um, which is interesting in its own, its own right because it is based on 4E mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, do we think that's – uh, indicative of anything? I mean, there's, they're Ooh, still producing. They're, they're still producing products using the 4 e mechanics now, right? Mm. No, I as James said, I always saw those games as a gateway into the to the real deal, if you will. So I would expect them to follow the new real set rule set. I mean, uh, if those four e board games are still out there, people can always pick those up and play four e rules. But if these new ones, I would assume they would use the new edition. I'm, uh, well, I mean, they say they're going to continue. You know, they say they're going to continue yeah, using the adventure system. Part of the whole the point is that, that they're is that they're interchangeable, and the adventure system is based on 4E. Um, oh. But but I think that I mean that may also be them saying, you know what, 4E makes really good board game rules. So why change that? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I suspect they'll keep using the, that rule set. Yeah, and I don't think that something like a, a worker placement uh, resource management game like uh, Lords of Waterdeep will get outsourced. I think they'll keep that in-house. Yeah, because it's not like Hasbro the, doesn't have yeah, board game capabilities. Yeah, it's the – you know they, they can keep doing different expansions or do different types of games with the same basic mechanical you know, widgets as Lords of Waterdeep, which is a very different feel from the Adventure System games. Yeah. I do – it's funny. I do wonder because we had talked about this with the um, the Neverwinter MMO guys and they were like, yeah, we're, you know, we're not changing over to 5th edition obviously. But right. we do feel like the Scourge Warlock class is a more 5e thing. I wonder if they're going to try to have something that has a, a more of a 5e feel within this adventure system. Sure. You know, well, um, although you say that, but at the same time, your your dis- uh, article to discuss tonight uh, involved uh, a new Paragon path for the Scourge Warlock, and Paragon paths are a distinctly 4E thing. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, and I don't think it'll be like a a whole five E, but I wonder if they're going to try to they'll maybe capture the skin flavor. some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it feels like a you know a a, a beastmaster ranger or a, a pack a warlock with a pack of the you know the ancient one mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Things that are more exclusively five E. So. Yeah. So here's the other bit that I found interesting in this. Um, it seems like they published the news about this on accident. Um, mm-hmm. So I, ICV2 has got has the article, and they talk about you know here's what's in the in the box, and it costs sixty five dollars, and it's planned for a March sixteenth release, which is a really long ways out for them to be announcing something. Um, and then they reached out to Wizards for comment and. Wizards declined to comment and then immediately pulled the article from their website. <laughs> so it seems like maybe they didn't mean for this news to get out and it was accidentally posted on their website. <laughs> so you may have to take some of this with a grain of salt because things could still change since it hasn't since it doesn't look like they've officially attempted to announce this. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense, but it does seem Wizards isn't coming out and immediately denying it either, so that's a good sign. Right. No. Force no. not push bid in. <laughs> yeah, no, and I and I, I suspect that, I mean, that it is a thing, but I know Wizards, from my conversations with some of them, um, I know that their current strategy is basically we're not going to announce anything until it's pretty much ready, because we don't want to disappoint, you know? We don't want to announce some a three-part adventure and then have only two parts actually come out. Because we rearrange the storyline midway through, or we don't want to announce a DMG and then have to push the the, the deadline or the release date, you know, two weeks or whatever. Um, now, obviously, with a, the core books, things are a little bit different, but um, I, th- well, I, th- got, I know they, that's their strategy. That's, that's because they got a lot of flack, at least in part because they got a lot of flack when when the, when fourth edition announcement was made. They had all these grand yeah. plans. Uh, and lots of them never came to be, mm-hmm. and they got a lot of flack for that because they had just enough to present it as though it's a done deal, and lots of people fell into it as though, hey, this is a done deal. Specifically speaking about the virtual table, right, with the three D, you know, beholder and all that stuff, and they got a lot of flack for that because then it just was never able to mm-hmm. to come to fruition, and. Uh, I think that you know the strategy this time is cautious optimism and let certain things leak a little bit so that people start a hype and then make a real announcement and let people get used to the idea that you're not making the announcement till it's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And then actually when you make the announcement, people will learn, oh, this means it really is happening so we can get excited about it and be really excited and ra- rather than disappointed when it never happens. But then if it doesn't, if it doesn't play out the way the leaks say, say it's going to, then they can... Well, no, I'm... Then right, they, can, they can they, say they, that yeah, wasn't they say, well, we didn't, we didn't yeah. announcement. That was all just right. speculation. Right. Uh, yeah, right. no. Exactly. I, I mentioned um, some of the, that attitude and that plan. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a legitimate sort of way of doing things that uh, you know that producers of products are doing these sure. days. And when I first mentioned it to to one of the players at my table, who's a big Apple guy, his response was, "Oh yeah, the Apple plan. You know, they, Apple tends to hey, we've got this new thing and it's for sale right now. Go get it. You know." Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a very legitimate way of doing things. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's not lots of speculation or leaks or whatever that sort of builds the, the excitement about it at the same time. So, and it looks like that's maybe what they're aiming for. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts? Cause I got 28 seconds left before the timer goes off and I hate to start or end early again. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, you put some water metaphors in there and talk about wear sharks for another 20 seconds. No, I don't think no. that. No. Ah. <laughs> you suck. You can always talk about wear sharks, right, James? <laughs> oh, guys, let me tell you about wear sharks. So <laughs> See? the best part about wear sharks is all of the paintings I can find of them are in the middle of the day. The moon doesn't even matter to a were-shark. Oh, there you go. That's very interesting. I'd love to see a pirate ship of were-sharks. <laughs> I'd hate oh. to see it, but... <laughs> you, but you'd love to experience it. Ex- I understand. That's <laughs> quite, a, quite a ringtone. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's what we waited for? I didn't say it was anything special. You guys wanted to know. <laughs> Well, you let it leak that it might be something good, and so you built the hype. That's right. That was all just your guys' speculation. It's not my fault you didn't live up to to your your guesses. All right. We're going to put a fork in it. This episode is done. All right. Well, we want to thank Noble Knight and, of course, all of our wonderful listeners for supporting the Tome Show and the Roundtable. And by shopping at Amazon and dndclassics.com through our affiliate links over at thetomeshow.com, please do so. I, I do so a lot, and uh, it keeps the show running, and, uh, and it's a good thing to do. And you can find show notes and other great D&D shows over at thetomeshow.com. And if you want to get a hold of us, feel free to email thetomeshow at gmail.com. Or, if you feel like talking to a person, call the biz line at uh, 919 It's a voicemail. <laughs> it's a yeah, voicemail. Or if you feel like talking to a machine. If, yeah. <laughs> if you feel like talking to a robot, call the biz line at 919-BizTome. And now that I know it's voicemail, I can't wait to leave a bunch of messages. <laughs> if you feel like talking to the Google Voice Overlord. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, until the next time that the news desk will never be back, this is Jeff Greiner <laughs> signing out for myself, Sam Dillon, and our roundtable compatriots, James Intracaso and Rudy Basso. For the last time on the news desk, keep gaming till mites. <laughs> <laughs>